Josefina, did you hear what happened at the Oscars? About Will Smith? Yeah. So you know he won an Oscar, and for working on King Richard. Oh, I thought you were talking about that other thing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina. And Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. All right, welcome back to Hold On To Your Racket. It's episode 91, and we are just about the tail end of the Miami Open, the Sunshine Double. Um, Definitely some interesting pop culture things that have happened in the past few days, but we're going to just touch on that briefly. But we do want the focus of this episode, as always, to be on the tennis. And speaking of the tennis... Josephina and I have gotten or have been so lucky to have been able to watch some of the tennis live. And in our uh, last episode, maybe it was our last or one before that, um, we talked about some hold on to your racket presence at Indian Wells. But last weekend, we had some hold on to your racket presence in Miami as well. We did. And actually, until you reminded me to talk about it, I completely forgot that I should have talked about it on the podcast. But yeah, I had a really fun time. Unfortunately, it was a pretty short visit. We flew out on like Friday night and flew, no, flew in Friday night, flew out like Friday early, early in the morning at like 6 a.m. Monday, Monday, early, early in the morning. Yeah, because I had school. Yes, we are high school gals. And um, yeah, it was really cool. I got to watch a full Sebastian Corda match, which was obviously the highlight. And I kept looking for WTA matches. And I was so upset because there was literally nothing going on. And later I looked up the schedule and apparently there'd been 16 full ATP matches and four full um. WTA matches and this is just in the daytime session so what I had the tickets for and the thing is that like this the stadium surprised me honestly I didn't like it very much so I wanted to stay on the grounds so I didn't get to watch Danielle Collins which was of course very unfortunate but at the same time I did watch Dennis Shapovalov lose pretty handily (laughs) so Yeah. yeah I've heard that a lot on Twitter as well that the main thing, like, the court colors are great, but, like, the main reason people don't like the new venue as much as the old one in Key Biscayne is because they basically turned a football yeah, venue into a tennis venue. I didn't I like I love it. the colors. I love the colors of the courts. I think they're some of the prettiest ones on tour, close to the Guadalajara courts. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's weird, even when I see it on TV, because... The stadium and the court is, like, inside of a bigger stadium, and it just, like, looks kind of cut off. It looks very odd, yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, we're used to Arthur Ashe, for example, and it's a huge stadium, but every seat is filled. Every seat is filled. I I have my personal issues with Arthur Ashe Stadium. I think it's, like, you can't see, like, it's... You can't see anything at the top, yeah. 
from the nosebleeds. I appreciate that they try to accommodate more people, but like, <laughs> it's also just like if 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 I can't see anything, why am I paying ninety dollars for this ticket? Honestly, like at this point, the what happens is that like most of the nosebleeds are cheaper than the grounds passes. So like. U.S. Open hack, oh, yeah. guys. U.S. Open hack. That, if you go to the U.S. Yes. Open, buy the nosebleeds, not the grounds pass, because the grounds pass is more expensive. Definitely. Um, now, that, you know, we got a great taste of some Sunshine Double Tennis firsthand. Um, it's, we were really grateful to be able to um, make some appearances at those events and catch some live tennis, but... Um, now that we're back at home, we have been closely following some other stories that have been going on. Yes, so the main story, not only in tennis media, but also in just, like Shravi said before, pop culture in general, something people have not ceased to talk about for the past, what has it been, a seven, five days? Week? Almost a week, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, people literally will not stop talking about it. Even today, I saw a tally on a random whiteboard in the school. Chris Rock or Will Smith. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, yes, it is the whole, you know, Will Smith, Chris Rock drama. But we want to talk about the Williams family reactions to this. Because why was Will Smith there? He was there because he starred in King Richard, which is some, it's a movie about tennis yeah and as you know i mean it tells the story of richard williams and smith played richard williams in the film um talking about you know we've talked about it so many times already but it was a huge film for um tennis for the williams family for sports fans for um black history for representation like a huge deal nominated for several oscars and will smith won the oscar for best actor but then that was tainted um because Chris Rock, the sort of host and comedian for that portion, made a joke about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, who has alopecia, which is a hair loss condition, and so um, she keeps her head shaved for that reason. He made a joke about that, and then Smith um, cursed at him and then um, went up on stage and slapped him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw the video. It was crazy. He and just like it's yeah. He just stomped onto the stage, slapped him, and then walked away. Said nothing, and then sat down, and then started cursing him out. Yeah, the thing bizarre. I hate most about this is we can actually get into this in a little bit also. But what I found most awful about this whole thing was when I came to school the next day personally I was like a little bit like why are people so pressed like why is this like such a debate yeah yeah exactly I I don't understand I don't understand why we're making this into such a big deal when it's just like one clear answer in my opinion but what I was most sad about is when I come to school the next day so many people were like see I really wanted they were like I really wanted to watch King Richard after the Oscars because like it got nominated for so many things but like not after Will Smith was in it. No. Like, not after that whole thing. And, like, one of my good friends, she came up to me today. She asked me, because she obviously assumed that I'd seen the movie since she knows that I follow tennis. She was like, how was, the, how was King Richard? I was like, oh, my gosh, it was so good. You really should watch it. She was like, should I really? Because, like, I wanted to, but then the whole Will Smith thing happened, so I felt kind of like, you know. And it makes sense because, like, you don't want to, like, obviously you – like if you don't want to support like Will Smith's actions, you might not want you might want to show that by not supporting the movie that he was nominated for best Oscar with. But like the fact that his reckless action is tainting a movie about 
some the, one of the greatest uh like american dream stories and like families in u.s history is I like just, it's so upsetting because the thing is like tennis it doesn't have there's not many moments when tennis comes out like mainstream like this like this was a huge chance like i feel like the first big one or the most recent one is like when andy roddick kind of started movies for a little bit he didn't start he movies, did? but he was just like yeah he cameoed in a couple of like classic oh. hollywood rom-coms or also like battle of the sexes was was relatively that big. was big yeah because like also, emma stone yeah, also apparently Zendaya is ch- is starring in a new movie called Challengers, which is coming out, like, oh, yeah, soon, about, like, the ITF tour, which I feel like would be really fun. Yeah, especially because it's, like, Zendaya. And because it's Zendaya, a lot of people watch it. But still, like, tennis doesn't have a lot of these moments. Hopefully soon, with, like, the Netflix show, it'll have more. That's, like, a big thing we're hoping to have. But, like... Especially, like, doing this podcast, our whole thing is, like, reaching out to this audience that is now talking about the Will Smith drama. Like, come on. There was just, it was just a huge moment for tennis, tennis in general, for people to, like, watch the movie, get inspired, and realize Mm -hmm. what the sport is about and what, like, one of the sport's main families is about and what they, where they come from. And it's just, it's it's pretty much gone now. It's It was so overshadowed by this yeah, and to, event. And to know that people, like my friends, who don't really follow tennis at all, were right on the brink of watching it and, like, wanted to watch that movie. And who knows the impact it could have had on them and brought new tennis fans. But, like, now that's not going to happen. Um. So it's really, really annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But um, like we said, we want to talk about um, kind of how the Williams family reacted to it. Not only how we reacted to it as tennis fans, but um, Richard Williams himself actually had a comment. And it was, we don't know all the details of what happened, but we don't condone anyone hitting anyone else unless it's in Mm self-defense. Which is like, he said it pretty straightforward. Like, it's just what he said. So that's just, I feel like it's good that he shared a view on it because I feel like it would have been easy for him to just like back off and be like, oh, let's just let like Will Smith handle this. Well, also because when Will Smith went to accept his award, oh, yeah. he was saying he was like embodying the spirit of, of like the, the, um, the protective father figure who he represented in the movie. I was like, don't bring Richard Williams into this. Like, yeah. don't, don't do that. Like, that's not what you're doing. That's, that's, like, don't bring him into this. I don't think that's, like, that's just not fair. Yeah, I agree. But, um, also, Sabrina Williams, who is, like, a half-sister of Venus and Serena, and apparently a strange, like, an estranged daughter of Richard Williams, also had a comment on it, and she actually said, so, Will Smith got angry, went overboard, and assaulted another person. Then you just can't apologize two minutes later. You lost your mind. Wow, I agree. He should be stripped of the Oscar. Which is, like, something that people have been debating, actually. Like, the Academy was thinking about um, taking away his Oscar. They even wanted to remove him from the event that, that same day. But Well, what's, Will Smith resigned from the Academy today. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. I, like, this so is what does like, that mean? The- he lost the Oscar? I don't know. 
know if that means he lost the Oscar, but I assume so. I don't even fully um, know what the Academy is. <laughs> but we're not we're not film people. Probably not. But, okay, so basically, yeah. this means that he will be no longer. This is from CNN. Quote, Smith will no longer be able to vote on Oscar-nominated movies and performances each year. His work, however, will still be eligible for future Oscars consideration and nominations. End quote. Okay. Okay, well. Yeah. I mean. It's still just, big. It didn't need, like, this didn't need to happen. I don't. Like, it really didn't. Like, okay, somebody offended your wife. Okay. Also, um. Oops. One of my friends showed me that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a great essay about this. And one of the lines of that essay was, when Will Smith, first of all, he wrote something about how um, it sort of played into already negative stereotypes about black men. And on this, and you know, and I, and I was like, I mean, that that's a very valid point there. And um, it's just sort of bait for certain factions of the media to spew you know whatever with that which is obviously not like correlated with his race whatsoever um but and then also kareem abdul-jabbar wrote something about how like by going up there and slapping him in supposed defense of his wife he set the president precedence that like wives or like that jada isn't able to defend herself or like that wives aren't or like that they need their husds to go out and def- and and somehow yeah. like assert masculinity to protect them which isn't always true. Yeah, I saw a lot of things like most of the things about this were about he it's just like an act of toxic masculinity honestly, but in addition to that like you said before, he Will Smith tried to compare himself to like Richard Williams because um after he did get the Oscar which he got the Oscar like a couple of minutes after this whole thing happened and like the main thing is that like literally what the movie was about if you didn't catch the main theme is that like Richard Williams was trying to kind of move away from that stereotype that he needed to do bad things in order to achieve good like he was trying to avoid that that's why he went through all the lengths and he went to like the essentially because like in that time he he went to white people to coach his daughters which um it's horrible of course but like in the time period that's what he thought he needed and that's what he went to look for because he needed to just move them up in the world and then have them lead the force for that entire kind of population which i mean i think that's what the movie was about but then will smith literally went against everything that richard williams stood for in that movie what will smith stood for while acting in that movie and um yeah it was just really disappointing and shravi if you want to read the quote when he compared himself to richard in the acceptance speech yeah he said quote richard williams was a fierce defender of his family Art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said. I look like the crazy crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. But love will make you do crazy things. People took issue with the last line, which is like yes, like but like, why is he 
basic like I just take like you are mocking almost the character who you portrayed in this film yeah and also and taking I, advantage of it I just don't like the fact because this is also like another issue like what you brought up before that you aren't supposed to treat your wife like she's your daughter that's an 1800s thing yeah like no that's just not what it's like anymore because you can't compare what a father would do versus what a husband would do it's just different it's completely different yeah um i mean i feel like that's all we have to say about this whole thing it's um i just i liked I like Daniel Radcliffe's response. He was like, too many people have given their opinions on this already. I'm just going to stay out of it because it's stupid. That's basically what he said. As he I was should. like, thanks. Um, now, while we've seen a lot of Will Smith and Chris Rock in the news, someone who we haven't seen a lot of is Dominic Thiem. Um, on the court, that is. But he has made a comeback. So, on June 24th, he announced a wrist injury, and we haven't seen him on court since. It's been nearly 10 months. He was having a very rough 2021 season already after his U.S. Open win. Um, And he actually came back after those 10 months and played his first match. Yeah, on March 29th, which is literally, like, two or three days ago, he played his first, like, professional match back, and it was at the Andalusia Challenger, which was, like, kind of, it's kind of the inaugurator of the clay season, I think, because it's, like, towards the very, very beginning, but he unfortunately lost in the first round 3-6-4-6, but of course, he's just getting back into it. He's literally been gone for 10 months. You can't really expect more from him, and he was actually set to compete at the Marrakech 250 in Morocco on clay next, which was supposed to start in three days on April 4th. But then two days ago on March 30th of 2022, he said he posted on Instagram with a caption saying, looks like lately the good news doesn't last long. That line broke me. (laughs) It's so sad. Um, Last night, after dinner, I started feeling unwell and didn't have a good night. After developing mild symptoms, I decided to take a test this morning, which came back positive for COVID-19. Which is so, so unfortunate because it's kind of just, like, consecutively a lot of just not great things for him. Which is sad because, you know, he won the 2020 US Open and he's meant to be in his prime right now. But it's just not happening for him. And hopefully, you know, with, like, more matches, he'll be able to, like, recover his not only his ranking, but also his skill and everything that he needs to be, like, the amazing, well-rounded player he was before all this happened. But I don't doubt it's possible. So many other players have done it, gone through it. But um, it just feels like in the moment, it's been so long. Yeah, I mean, I just, like, it's it's sad because he had such a great end to his 2020 season with that U.S. Open title, and then he seemed to be going through some mental issues and then an injury as well that's kicked him out. It's just, like, the bad luck never really stops for this guy. 
Um, in some more positive news, though, the WTA announced that it is striking a partnership with Modern Health. So this is following w- the WTA's historic deal with Hologic, which we discussed in some of, in a few episodes ago. Um, but this new partnership with Modern Health is really exciting. Um, Modern Health is going to be the WT's official mental health partner. Um, It's an all-female founded company which describes itself as a quote global workplace mental health platform. So the WTA said in its statement um, that with a joint mission to engage healthier practices and conversation around mental health, the two organizations will co-produce a five-part digital content series featuring WTA players to help raise awareness about the importance of mental health. And all I have to say is thank you, Naomi Osaka, because she is the one who really started the conversation about mental health in tennis, in sports as well. We saw that period with Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, all speaking out. Um, But I really do think Osaka was the change maker in this scenario. And the WTA and the Grand Slams and the ATP in that joint statement, I remember saying that they really do want to try working more with players to to develop a solution um and this seems like a great step yeah and so far we only see the wta following through what they say they're gonna do but um actually after like probably i think more than a year definitely more than a year and a half of kind of struggle olia sharapova was contacted by the ATP. So the ATP contacted Sharapova 17 months after her initial accusations and the ATP's investigation was launched in October. But um, when was the second Ben Rothenberg article released? November, was it? I forgot. Maybe November, it was, I don't know. It was around that time, I think. But um. Ben Rothenberg said, The investigator hired by the ATP has listed no relevant expertise investigated domestic violence cases like Sharipova's, with his primary stated experience and expertise coming as a secret service agent and security consultant for sporting events. Wow. Wow. So they're just not even remotely going in the right direction. Like, congratulations, you contacted the woman, but you haven't done anything. I just don't even understand how they are so incompetent and careless about such a serious situation. And it's something that we've had to continue to be angry about for a long time. So I'm just sick of talking about it and the the guy, the guy in that is still at the top of his game. Yeah, the only thing that I could hope for in this scenario is that something comes out of the investigation. So hopefully um, it will be some meaningful conversation. But, I mean, 17 months, that's, that's a long time. So now we're going to get into the actual tennis And we actually have one of the most exciting events of the year here. And we're coming up to this conclusion of this event, actually. So this is some exciting tennis. And we're seeing some really, really solid tennis here, especially on the WTA side. 
Yes, so we have a really awesome final coming up with Iga Shuatek and Naomi Osaka, two favorite players of ours, so honestly a win-win situation here. So we love when that happens. But let's first talk about Iga, who defeated Jessica Pagula 6-2-7-5 um, in the semifinals. And Iga right now is at a whole nother level. This is her 16th consecutive win and 18th consecutive set one. Um... Pagula was like the first to push her to even a 7-5 in, in this tournament so far. So, I mean, props to her for that. And not only this win streak, but Iga Shuatek is undefeated at WTA 1000 events this year. She took the Doha title, she took Indian Wells, and now she honestly is in really good position to take the Miami title, although she has a pretty formidable opponent that she has to get through first. Yes, and that would be Naomi Osaka, who defeated Belinda Bencic, 4-6-6-3-6-4. And just in general, Naomi Osaka, she is still in this tournament, and I feel like this is her first, like, big, big, like, kind of... This is amazing. Yeah. Like, this is, like, the best, I think, feel-good story of this tournament. Yeah. Because she's playing tennis. She's so, so happy. And you can see it. Like, she posted a picture on Instagram after her match win that she was literally smiling while waiting to return a serve. Which is just, like, amazing to see. But uh, she turned around her 0-3 to tour level head-to-head versus Benchich and came back from a set down. So, like, that mental fortitude we know her so well for, it's back. She's She's really back, guys. And she hit 18 aces. Like, I watched the video on Instagram of just the compilation of the aces, and just, wow. And she broke Ash Barty's record for most aces for her match this season. And, um, yeah, she actually talked about how she started seeing a therapist after Indian Wells. And she also describes this as a match she will remember for the rest of her life. And she was crying after she won so just in general a lot of improvement not only in her tennis but most importantly in her mental state and it's so inspiring to see her this way because we love like as her fans we love her and we only want the best for her it's really impressive how after that really tough loss in indian wells to kudamatova where she faced the heckling and that like that one comment really threw her for a loop um to be see her so open at the beginning of miami about how she started seeing a therapist right after that and that you know that was obviously a big step for her because she hadn't done that despite um having these issues for a while uh, seemingly so it's great that she took that step for her normalizing that obviously also on the tails of this new partnership the wta has had with modern health so hopefully this is a positive trend um but i mean she was crying after she won like she really you could see how much this meant to her and she said i feel like i've been fighting for a long time I've wanted to get back here for a very long time, but I just couldn't string together a lot of things. Now I feel like I'm in a really good place in my life, and I want to keep that going. Last week, Indian Wells, even when the times are tough, I can bounce back. I feel like I did that pretty well. Yeah. So, in general, this is going to be a pretty tough match. Iga Shviatek versus Naomi Osaka. And um, they're, they're also pretty good friends. And this is going just going to be an interesting match in general because they are both playing at a very high level of tennis. But um, I feel Iga definitely has more pressure 
in this match because she's going for that actual sunshine double and she just has a lot more momentum behind her and people are expecting more from her definitely in this case and yeah and osaka i feel like she's just she's just happy to be there man like that's it yes she's playing with a lot less pressure on her which is great um the last time they played though was when osaka was the number two player in the world and she was actually on her way to trying to get the number one ranking um, and at that point, Shuatek was ranked 65. She was a qualifier. This was at the Roger Cup, Rogers Cup a few years ago. And Osaka did win in two tight sets. But as you said, like, not only are they friends, but Osaka has always seen potential in Iga, even before sort of winning um, Roland Garros. She mentioned once after kind of uh, last year before the Australian Open, she said, speaking about Iga's Roland Garros win, she said, I was really inspired by Iga. I thought it was really nice to watch because I ate dinner with her here last year. Um, she was talking about how she might go to college. I was telling her, like, she's really good, and I think she's going to do really well. So maybe don't try to divert, divert your energy to college just yet. I'm glad she was able to win a Grand Slam so fast. Hopefully she'll continue to grow, which I know she will. So Naomi has a good eye for talent. Um even before, you know, seeing the um, Roland Garros triumph. But this is a, again, battle of favorites. Ika definitely has more pressure on her, um, but she's at the same time grown a lot more comfortable on this surface since the last time they met. So we'll see how it goes. But honestly, like, yes, we've been talking about how impressive Ika's form was, but that Benji's win is definitely going to put some confidence in Osaka, especially after turning around the head-to-head. Yes. And um, in addition to the WTA in Miami, we also have the ATP playing, in case you didn't know. And first up for finalists, we have Casper Rude, which is, like, wow. I feel like he's been, like, meh recently, which is... Sad, of course, because we're fans, but he defeated Francisco Serendolo 6-4-6-1. And just Casper is doing so well. His spotlight moment, of course, was defeating Zverat, and we love him for that. And he defeated him 6-3-1-6-6-3, so pretty solid win. And he was talking about in this, like, ATP video. I wasn't sure if it was ATP or like tennis TV, but it was just like this Instagram reel where he was just doing one of those interview videos and they were asking him whether he knows or something about whether he's like knows that he's known as a clay specialist. And he literally said himself that he spent most of his time training on indoor hardcore like us, Shravi and I, and he just doesn't know why people call him a clay court specialist. He's like, I mean, I'm okay with being the underdog on hardcourt, but, like, I think I'm pretty good there, <laughs> which was really funny to see because, like, a player's view of themselves versus how players view them. But um, his opponent, his semifinalist opponent, was Francisco Serendolo, who is someone that we have been talking about for a while, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, the OGs we, will remember. Yeah, we need to we call this one because we did call this one. Did we really call this one? We called this one. Yeah. We didn't really, but we've had faith in this guy. Um, he's in really well on clay. Um, kind of in sort of that golden swing um, in those tournaments. 
And we definitely have spoken about him on the podcast before, but he's defeated Opelka, Monfils, Tiafo, Sinner, who um, poor baby had to retire with blisters in his match. But these are still some great wins for Francisco. And I mean, this like something really to be proud of here. Um, you've also probably definitely heard of his brother, Juanma Serendola, who we talked about a lot last year as well. Um, but on a different note, you know, there have been a total of 15 withdrawals slash retirements in Miami, which is really concerning, actually. A lot of people have been talking about this. I mean, we saw Badosa go out, we saw Sinner go out, um, I'm blanking on other retirements, but... There's been a lot, because I remember that's the reason I said, like, there was only four WTA matches, because two people retired during their matches. Oh, Mitrova against Osaka. Oh, yeah, Mohova did uh, withdraw. Um, But it's a bit concerning. It kind of maybe we talked about this kind of at the end of the season about, like, the tennis season being really long and Mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of being played with injuries. Oh, Berrettini was another one who withdrew. Um, But also, like, the Sunshine Double, like, two Mm back-to-back Masters 1000 tournaments on opposite ends of the country um, as well, like, with travel and stuff totally different time zones too um it's hard yeah it's really um, difficult it's difficult i saw a tweet that suggested moving the miami open to a different time because um because of that issue also because of you know it's overshadowed by march madness um oh i didn't realize that at that time in Miami, there's, like, a lot of other stuff going on. Oh, like yeah. music festivals yeah. or, like, um... Spring break events. in general. Yeah. It was really break, gross so. when I went, honestly. It was, like, gross. There were so many, like, drunk college kids. It was pretty unsafe on the beaches. Yeah, I mean, it's something to consider, but it's hard to see a lot of people retiring and withdrawing um, because if these pro athletes are getting injured then that must be some really tough conditions. Yeah, definitely. But um, we do have another finalist as of pretty recently, I think like maybe an hour or two ago. Carlos Alcaraz defeated Hubert Hercatch 7-6-7-6. And wow, this, wow, he's really, he is the next big thing. He's definitely just headed towards greatness as of now. Um because we do not need big three. None of them are here, by the way. Um, or Nick Kyrgios for exciting tennis. Because, you know, like, next gen, like, Gen Z, they're delivering the tennis that we know they can. Especially this guy. Especially this guy. Yeah, and I mean, he's had some impressive wins this week. He defeated Tsitsipas for the second time, 7-5-6-3, and was actually down 2-5 in the first set. Then, probably in one of the best matches of the tournament, I caught some glimpses of this, was when Alcaraz defeated Kekmanovic, who is also deserving of a huge shout-out. Yes, he's taken out a lot of our favorite players, but he's honestly actually really fun to watch play, and um, been doing really well if you... Remember, he's the guy who took the place of Novak Djokovic in the Australian Open draw. So he really took that opportunity and has ran with it through this entire season. But, you know, Alcaraz defeated him 6-7-6-3-7-6. And then in the semis versus Hercos, the defending champion, Alcaraz earned his sixth career win versus a top 10 player and is now 
six and six versus top <laughs> ten players. Like six wins, six losses. So that is really impressive. And to cap it all off, there's obviously all those like fourth or fifth youngest um, ATP player to make a Masters 1000 semi or whatever or final and all those stats. But to you know, that's kind of you know a, a given. But this win over Hercot sent Carlos into third place in the race to the ATP finals in Turin. So, like, so he's the third big. best player in the world right now. That's essentially Basically. what that means, yeah. which is crazy. And also, like, people need to calm down with the comparing him. You know, set him, setting him up for the future. Like, yeah. He's destined for greatness. We could see that now. He's not even destined for greatness. He is great, like right now in the moment. But just let him play. He's he's still a young kid, you know. He's still thriving. It's and it's great to see. But um let's talk about his semifinalist, Hubert Hercatch, who was the champion last year. So it was great to see him get so far in this tournament once again. And he defeated Daniil Medvedev in the quarterfinals, 7-6-6-3. And if Daniil would have won that match, he would have made it back to number one, which is, of course, unfortunate. But also, I'm not mad to see Hubie doing well. So it's kind of like a... Eh, nah, nah, nah. Actually, no, I definitely would have preferred that Daniil win. But um, <laughs> whatever, too late for that now. But, uh, yeah, Medvedev has been a little off lately, like, just on hard courts in general, especially in these two, like, sunshine doubles. But now it's time for Medvedev's favorite surface. And last year, if you don't remember, he had his career best run at the French Open, which was not hard to do considering he never made it past the first round. But um, it should be good. It should be good, and it'll definitely bring a lot of memes. That is guaranteed. But uh, final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is a first opportunity for both of these guys to be in a Masters 1000 final. Casper definitely flew more under the radar, while kind of Alcaraz, obviously, following Indian Wells and all his success lately, has had a lot of the attention on him. But it really is an energy that he's really been um, embracing. Uh, they've only played once before, which was on clay last year. I guess you could say it could favor, it probably would have favored Casper, but Carlos did win in straight sets. So I don't really know what to expect here. I do think, though, that this crowd's energy really has the potential to carry through Alcaraz because he's literally looking unfazed. Yeah, but, um, just in general, it's a really exciting tournament so far. We're really happy with the results, like... Iga Swiatek and Naomi Osaki, Osaka, oh my god, and uh, Hubie Hercatch and Casper Ruud, some of our bestiest besties. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the clay season gets underway. 
And remember, my name is Josephina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.